Y'all ready? All right, let's go to Hebrews 11 together. Let's read our passage this morning. Uh, Fair warning, I'm going to read pretty much the entire chapter of Hebrews 11. And I say that uh, normally if I'm going to read a large chunk of scripture, you've probably heard me say this in the past. uh, But uh, when we read large chunks of scripture, the tendency of believers, contemporary believers is to go, uh, why did he have to read that much scripture? Um, I hate that mentality because what we've said is what the pastor has to say is more important than what God's word has to say. So this morning, God's word is way more important than what I have to say. Uh, so let's read the chapter of Hebrews 11. Then we're going to talk back through it a little bit and we're going to see some pieces that God has for us today. So let's read together beginning in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place uh, that he was to receive uh, as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same, <clears throat> excuse me, of the same promise. For he was looking uh, forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged the way uh, that they were uh, strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are speaking, uh, seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons uh, of Joseph, uh, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were, uh, they were not afraid of the king's edict. 
By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward, or excuse me, looking to the reward. Uh, By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and uh, Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in the deserts and mountains and in dens and caves and in the earth, And all these things, and all of these, excuse me, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let's pray over the reading of God's word. Father God, this morning we thank you for the blessing of your scriptures. We thank you that it teaches, that it instructs, that it pushes us, God, that it Uh, It convicts us of sin. It shows us hope and joy. Uh, God, that it reminds us of our salvation and it teaches us about the statutes of God. And we pray this morning that as we pour ourselves over it, Father, that you would make yourself known to us today. That we would see you and hear you and know you in ways we never have before. That your word would come to life on the pages in front of us, God. That the words that are written there would be fresh and new to us that even though we may know these stories and we might know these names, Father, that we would be reminded of the power of God through these names. And God, that because of what is said this morning, God, we would walk out of this room more confident in our faith than when we came in. And God, may you be glorified and honored out of all that is said and done today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, guys, we just covered a huge chunk of scripture, but there is no way to break it apart and handle it correctly. So uh, what we're going to have to do this morning is hustle through some pieces, uh, but I I really want to take some time this morning. I want to begin by asking a question of all of us this morning, Uh, and it is a practical life application question before we really get to the study of Hebrews 11 this morning. And the question is this, what is the big, scary thing of faith that God is asking you to do? What is the big, scary thing that God is asking you to do that apart from his power and strength, you would not be able to accomplish? 
That's the question for us this morning, because the truth is, we all are a people who live by faith. And if we're going to really claim that, if we're going to be a people who say, yeah, I put my faith in the God who breathed a universe into existence, and I follow this God who has literally uh, designed and built uh, a, a world that is perfect, uh, perfectly conditioned for life to exist. And not only did he do that, but he took his very own breath from his own lungs and put it into a clay statue and turned it into a man. And that man brought forth more life and more life to the point that today as we sit in this room, we still carry the breath of God in us. If we're going to say we follow that God by faith, then what is the big thing that this God who did all of these things is calling us to? Because the truth is God is calling all of us to do something with our faith. He doesn't call any of us to follow him and sit idly in a church pew somewhere or church choir chairs somewhere. All right, He doesn't call us to sit in those chairs and do nothing with this salvation that he offered us. He requires of us that we act on this faith. That we cannot call ourselves followers of the God who literally created the universe and sit back and just enjoy his blessings without stepping out in faith to do something about it. That's not genuine faith to just sit back and soak in the blessings of God without stepping out in the faith of God. And so this morning, that's the question for us is, what is it that God is calling you to do? And I want you to make that personal. We're not talking about the church at West Gant right now. God's called the church at West Gant to do some pretty crazy things. We've done some pretty crazy things, all right? We merged three churches together, y'all, in six months. All right, that, that's unheard of, all right? We've done some pretty crazy things in the last year and really in the last five years of our church life. We've done that, we're, we're, but we're not talking about the church at West Gant this morning uh, as an organization, although we know that the church is people, but we're talking about you. Th this morning, I want you to personalize that, and I want you to ask the question of God seriously and honestly. God, what is the thing of faith that you're asking me to step out into? And what I want you to see this morning as you ask yourself that question, I just want you to hear some of the stories that Hebrews 11 brings to us as an encouragement of what happens when we step out in faith. Because what I hope to do with you this morning is the same thing that the writer of Hebrews attempted to do with Hebrews 11 to the people who were receiving his letter. So let's keep in mind the context of what's going on here. It is a group of Jewish converts to Christianity who are trying to figure out who Jesus is to them and how they're going to live out this following of him. And the writer of Hebrews says, man, Jesus is greater than all of these things. Step out by faith and let me encourage you with the stories of the Old Testament to embolden you so that when the trials and the persecution comes, you can remember what happens to the people who walk by faith, not by sight. And so that was the purpose of Hebrews chapter 11, is he spent the whole first part of his book talking about, man, Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than all these things. And then he deconstructs the tabernacle and he talks about how we have no use of the temple anymore, that God's church is in us and that we embody that. And, and so we can draw near with confidence to God. And now he turns to this idea of what do we do about it? We need to walk in that faith confidently and do big things. And I want to back up one verse from chapter 11. Let's look back at chapter 10. The very last verse of that chapter is, is verse 39. This is where we left off 
two weeks ago. We didn't meet together last week because of some illness that was going around, but um, we are uh, back in it. And so I want you to hear this verse just as a reminder of where we were two weeks ago. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The writer of Hebrews leaves off chapter 10 talking about this confidence piece, and he says, we are not people who shrink back. We are not people who flinch. We are not people who, when the times get tough, we back up from God. We are people who, when the times get tough, we lean in to our faith. We trust more heavily in what we know and who we know God to be. And when we do that, we see God do mighty things. We see God do amazing things. And so I want you to hear some of these stories that we see in Hebrews chapter 11. I just kind of want to walk through them. We're not going to tell their whole stories, but I just want you to hear just a few pieces of each of them. It says, man, uh, by faith, starting in verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that was, uh, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. The first act of faith that we see is that, man, God created this universe out of nothing. He says it was created, the visible things that you see, this wall, the floor, the staging, the people around you, the ceiling tiles, the lights, the dirt outside, the mountains, the beach, the rivers, the lakes. Every bit of that was spoken into existence out of nothing. How mighty of a God do we serve who can step into nothing, darkness, literally the existence of nothing, and speak and all of these things happen. Man, how mighty of a God do we serve? And we, we believe by faith that that is what God did. We trust Genesis 1 when it says that God spoke and all of these things happened. We trust by faith because we weren't there to see it. But we know that that is what God tells us. So we trust it by faith. Verse 4, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. Man, we get the story of Cain and Abel. Abel is um, honoring God with his, with his sacrifice. Cain tries to do it his own way. But because Abel followed the commandments of God, Abel was glorified. But the tragic thing of Abel's story is that even though he honored God, his life was lost. But it says God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And we still talk about the story of Cain and Abel thousands of years later. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. I don't know if you know the story of Enoch or not, but I would encourage you to walk back to the Old Testament and find it. Uh, it's a very short story. It's only just a couple verses long. Enoch's name is mentioned very briefly in a list of descendants. And it literally just says, Enoch was no more. Uh, it, the pattern of that passage is that all these guys died and then it gets to Enoch, and it says, Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more. In other words, the picture is painted that Enoch didn't die, that Enoch was taken by God because of his faith. Crazy stuff. Verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, verse 7, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Can you imagine being Noah in the time of the flood, building this massive boat? Everyone thinks you're crazy. 
you step out in faith. You do something big and bold and wild and crazy and people literally think that you're insane. But because of your act of faith, your family is saved when everyone else is lost. By faith, verse 8, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance or as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Go back and read the call of Abraham. God literally says to him, get up and start walking. But he never tells him a destination. He just says, get up and go. By faith, he went to live in a land of promises in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him to the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. When you think about the story of Abraham and Sarah, they were both well up in years. They were beyond child-rearing days, and yet Sarah somehow found herself pregnant. Why? Because of faith. Therefore, from one man and him, uh, as, a good de- uh, as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven uh, and uh, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now, we get this crazy break right there. I want to pause real quick because as we're following through this passage, we got to see some things. Uh, the structure of this passage is something that's called a chiastic structure. Now, that doesn't mean anything to anybody who doesn't care about Greek and Hebrew, so let me help you with it a little bit. All right, so a chiastic structure was really a form of poetry that was meant to draw emphasis to the middle. Okay, and so what would happen is you would put a statement at the top of your poem and a statement at the bottom of your poem, and then as you worked your way to the middle, you would see identical statements on the, the bookends of it, and then you work yourself to the middle, and the statement that's in the middle becomes the most important. But it may not fall in the order that you think it needs to. So for example, we just read all these stories about guys who saw the promises of God happen, right? Like Sarah, she was, child, uh, she was barren, and yet all of a sudden she becomes pregnant and she, be, she has this child of blessing, right? We, we talked about Abraham being taken out of his land and seeing all the blessings that he got to see. Cain and Abel got to see some of their blessings. Abel uh, was taken and he got to see uh, heaven. Uh, we talk about Noah who got to rescue his family. We, we talk through all these stories of people who literally saw the blessings of God, but then all of a sudden we get to verse 13 and it says this. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, they did. <laughs> we, just, we just saw all the things that they received. And the reason that this seems out of order is because this is the central paragraph to the chiastic structure of uh, Hebrews 11, and it's actually pointing to the verses that follow it. And so there's not a whole lot that you need to know about that, except that, man, this is the central piece that we're about to read, and it doesn't point backwards, it points forwards, even though it looks like it should point backwards. So let's read it. It says this, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged uh, that they were strangers and exiles on the, on the earth, excuse me, for people who speak thus make it uh, clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, listen to this, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. Now, every name that is listed after this are people who didn't necessarily get to see the promises of God lived out in their lives. They died before God kept his promise. We're going to jump straight to Abraham. We already heard about Abraham a little bit, but now you're going to get to see the other half of it. Look at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. 
And he who had received the promises uh, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings, so he never got to see it, future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. He cast a direction forward. He he lives life faithfully even forward into the future. And here's what I want us to get out of this as we think through these stories and the encouragement, because going back to our question, what's God calling you to do? We see this first chunk that gives us the lives of all these people who did some things, they acted and they saw God respond and they they saw God bless. Now we get these stories of some guys who acted even knowing that they were never going to get to see the promises of God kept in their lives. And I want to ask us what that has to do with our big step of faith this morning. And here's what it has to do. I want you to look back with me at verse 16, that central part to the chiastic structure. It says this, it says, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. Both of these groups of people, whether they saw the promises of God succeed in their life or whether they were believing for a future promise that they would never get to earthly see, both of these groups of people put their faith in God and they were living as if a heavenly kingdom was the thing that was most important to them. And so this morning, if you're going to ask the question, God, what do you want me to do in faith? How do you want me to step out, God? What's the big crazy thing that you're asking me to step out in, Father? If you're going to ask that question of yourself, you have to be willing to do two things. You have to be willing to put your faith in God to say, God, what's the thing here and now, the thing that's going to require action of me today? And I'm willing to do that action. But the second half of that is that you have to be willing to have the faith that says, even if I never see the result on this side of heaven, I will trust you, God, that this is the move you want me to make. And that is the most difficult part of our faith, planting seeds. The most difficult part of our faith is trusting God that I may do something today that I never reap the benefit for. But is it still not worth it if my mind is set on a heavenly kingdom? We have a passage of scripture that tells us that we need to put our minds on heavenly things. We store up treasure in heaven. We, we know all these passages. And I'll be honest, I, I reviewed those passages this week a little bit and, and was just thinking and praying through those. And man, for the first time in my life, uh, you know, I've preached those passages and I've taught them and I understand them. Like I know what the point is, but for the first time in my life, I think this week I read those passages and I went, God, what am I living for? What am I living for? What are the things that I'm doing that are counting, not just counting for more money for my family or a better house or, or better cars or better all these things, but God, what am I doing that's counting for my eternity? What's the thing, Father, that when I arrive in heaven, you're going to welcome me into your arms and you're going to go, look what you've built. And, and God, if I ask those questions honestly in my life, man, I have to really challenge myself to go, man, this, this stuff that I've had my mind focused on, it really doesn't matter at all. And God, I think you're calling me to step out into something bigger and better. You're calling me to something more challenging, God, something that takes more risk, something that I'm going to be fearful to do. But Father, the outcome of that has no earthly blessing whatsoever. But God, I will walk in faith knowing that there is a heavenly kingdom that I am building 
running into. And man, that is such a challenging thought to think through because we are a generation specifically of instant gratification. God, I want to see it today. I, I want to do something and I want to see that it counted. I want to show up to something and I want to know that my time was worth it. I, I want to know that what I did made a difference. I, I want to see the blessings of it. And, and man, sometimes God is calling us and he's saying, look, just walk in faith and let me handle the results and let me bring the harvest when the harvest is ready and you'll get to see it one day, but you might be on the heaven side of things when you do. And man, do we have faith enough to trust God that that's good enough? Do we have faith enough to trust God that, man, that, that, that's plenty enough motive for me to make a move? I think about the story of Abraham as we talked about, man, him just getting this call in his life and saying, all right, it's time to go. And so Abraham literally just packs up his stuff and starts walking. And I'm like, that, that's, that's challenging enough until you really start studying the life of Abraham and realize just how much that involved for him. Abraham was a wealthy man. Abraham had a large family. Abraham had hundreds of servants. Abraham had lots of sheep and, and flocks. Like he was a farmer by, by nature. Like he had, he had cattle. He had all this stuff to pick up and to move was not just, oh, let me grab a backpack and start hiking. This was like, let me alter my family. Let, let me arrange my businesses. Let me change every aspect of my life. The faith that it would have taken to move in that, especially at such an old age, to have the promise of a son and to sit there for another 20, 40, 60 years not seeing that promise fulfilled and going, okay, God, I hadn't seen it yet. I stepped out in faith. Where's my end, God? Sometimes I think that God is just saying to us, look, just move. Just move and let me handle it. Just move and trust that my purposes and my plans are good enough whether you see the benefit of it directly or not. It's one of the most challenging things about being a pastor, if I'm not going to lie, is that I spend a lot of my time investing in people that I probably will never see come to Christ. I spend a lot of my time loving families who may or may not ever step foot inside of our church. We spend a lot of time doing ministry with our community, knowing that the majority of them will never attend here. It's like, man, God, you're asking me to step out of faith and love some people that I'm never going to see benefit from but I have to live in this heavenly mindset. I have to live in this kingdom mindset of saying, God, uh, you're going to keep your promises and you're going to be faithful to it and I will walk in faith. I will step out in the big things and I will love you through it all. I will not shrink back. I will not flinch. I will push forward. What's the big thing God is calling you to do? Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. We get the story of Moses and his call. What I love most about the story of Moses is that it begins not with Moses, but it begins with his parents. You know, we don't know much about Moses' parents. They're not mentioned really in Scripture outside of this passage and just the few first verses of Moses' life where his mom hides him in a basket. But we don't know what they did. We know they were slaves, obviously, in Egypt, but we don't know if he had brothers and sisters. We don't know really anything about this dude. 
But what I love about Moses' story most is the picture of how Moses' parents passed their faith on. Look back with me at verse 23. By faith, Moses, and, and when you read that too quickly, you might skip over the fact that it's not actually talking about Moses' faith. It says, by faith, comma, pause for a second, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by who? By his parents. The faith is not Moses's in this moment, it is his parents. And so what we see is this generational passing on of faith. We see his parents stepping up and going, man, we have faith that God's going to protect our baby. All right, can you imagine, for just, just picture for just a second, man, um, you as a, as a parent having to take your three-month-old baby <laughs> who, who is completely unable to protect himself from anything, much less crocodiles. <laughs> now put that baby in a basket, stick it in a river that's filled with crocodiles, and step back and just hope in faith that God protects this child. Anybody going for it? Nah, man, not in this day and age, man. We, we cover up outlets and we wrap the corners of our furniture so kids don't bump their heads, right? Like we strap kids into car seats 12 times and we tighten it down to an ungodly amount of tightness to make sure that our child is protected from every potential harm. Moses' mama put him in a basket in crocodile-infested water and stepped back and went, okay, God. <laughs> and that faith, man transformed Moses's life. And not only Moses's life, but the entire nation of Israel. Can you imagine that being the beginning of your story? People coming to you and be like, hey man, tell me your story. Yeah, when I was three months old, my mama put me in a river with crocodiles. There's not much you're afraid of at that point. You have a lot of faith in that. Man, what if we began to live as parents who did big things in front of our kids? What if we lived as parents who just lived in such faith that our kids would grow up and be like, yeah, man, when I was 12 years old, man, my parents, man, they were just living into faith. And man, I'm not scared of anything at this point because I've watched my parents do incredible things for God. What if we became those kind of parents? For those of you who don't have kids, what if, what if you lived intentionally to become that kind of parent one day? What if you started life that way? Man, my kids are just infants, man. I'm, I'm already doing big things so that they grow up knowing their mom and dad had faith in the creator of the universe. And they wake up or they walk through life rather knowing that God is with them. Moses went on to do some pretty crazy things. My goodness, he called down 10 plagues on an entire nation of people. He led millions of people through the wilderness for 40 years. He spoke to a rock and made water come out of it. <laughs> he held a staff up to an ocean and made it split down the middle. He literally lived for 40 years off of some random food that God just made sure showed up on the, on the earth every morning for him. God, Moses lived in faith, but it wasn't just because Moses just woke up one day and was like, ah, this sounds cool. Moses grew up that way, understanding that, man, he had something passed to him, some faith. And, man, I love that picture of that story because it reminds me I have to be a father. I have to be a husband who's not afraid to ask the question, God, what's the big thing? What's the scary thing you're asking me to do? And not only not that you're asking me to do, but, God, maybe even what's the scary thing you're asking me to do with my kids? 
What's the scary thing you're asking me to, to the situations you want me to lead my children into? And that is completely countercultural to how parents raise our kids nowadays because we're like, let me protect my kid from every single situation possible. But maybe sometimes God is saying, let me put my kid into a situation where all of my faith and trust is placed in Jesus because there's nothing I can do to protect him in that. That's bold faith. That's scary faith. But man, Moses rises up, verse 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Gosh, how that faith transferred. Skip down with me to verse 29. Let's read about the people that Moses led. By faith, the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, who, by the way, had no faith when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Jericho is the lesson that our kids upstairs are walking through right now. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient but she had, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Let me just walk you through the story of Rahab for a second because this is a pretty cool one. Uh, Rahab is a resident of Jericho. The spies come into Jericho to check out the land and they're starting to raise some red flags and people are starting to ask a question about who these guys are. And so Rahab brings them into her home. And it said that if you study outside of scripture, it said that Rahab's house literally was built into the wall of Jericho. Okay, and so I want you to picture this in your mind. God is about to send the Israelites to march around Jericho to do what to it? Destroy the wall. <laughs> Where's Rahab's house? In the wall. <laughs> She's about to lose everything. Everything. Now, she doesn't know that full picture yet. She just knows that there's some spies from Israel that are walking around in her city and she heard stories about how their God parted the Red Sea for them. And she's like, Whew, maybe I should look out for these guys. And so by faith, a woman of a lifestyle of sin, a prostitute, welcomes these men into her house, protects them. And then this is the cool part. The, the Israelites, the, the two spies, they turn to Rahab and they say, hey, we got you. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for reaching out to us. So here's what we're going to do. Your family is going to be protected. So make sure that when we attack, your whole family is with you. And what I want you to do is I want you to take a red, a scarlet cord and hang it outside of your window. Where's her window? The side of the wall. <laughs> I want you to hang it out the window so that we can see where your family's at in this wall. So that on the day that we attack, on the day that God does what God's going to do, we'll protect your family. And they do. They do exactly what they said they would do, the wall of Jericho falls. Now, here's where it gets crazy. You ready for this? Wait for it. Wait for it. Flip with me back to Matthew chapter 1. You ready for this? This is insane. This is insane. It's my favorite part. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. A part of scripture that most people skip over because it's just a big family tree. Watch this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So here comes the family tree of Jesus Christ. 
Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah, and Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Y'all keeping up? All right. And Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nishan, and Nishan the father of Salmon, or Salmon, depending on whether or not you're southern, uh, and Salmon the father of Boaz by who? Rahab, the prostitute, who was rescued from Jericho. Can you imagine with me for just a moment the fact that a woman of sin who by faith rescued some spies, all of a sudden God doesn't just welcome her into his family, but all of a sudden God gives her the blessing of being in the family tree of Jesus Christ by faith. And listen, man, she didn't even realize that what she was doing was maybe that big. Can we, can we just go there for a minute? I don't know that Rahab realized it, right? Because she doesn't know. I mean, she knows the spies are coming to destroy. She knows Israel's coming to destroy Jericho. But I don't think she realized just how big of a move she just did for these people to hide these spies. But either way, whether she realized it was big or not, she took a massive risk in allowing these two men into her home. Because if she had been found, she would have been killed, and that would have been the end of her family tree right there. But instead, because she acted in faith, her family tree continued, and it wasn't just an ordinary family tree anymore, but all of a sudden, Jesus Christ comes out of her lineage. Man, when we act in faith, when we ask the question, God, what's the big thing? What's the thing you want me to do, man? Just watch how God transforms our lives. Just watch how God pours out blessings on us and watch how he even transforms things that we aren't even aware of. Rahab, man, she doesn't even get to see that part of her life. And we're talking years later before Jesus is born. But because of the act of mercy that she shared with the Israelite spies, man, God just blessed How powerful of a statement is that to us today as we sit here and go, man, what's the things, the simple things, maybe even the weird things that God is asking us to do today that if we'll just do them, maybe God does something crazy. Maybe maybe if we just find, can you imagine being Rahab in that moment, seeing those guys and going, well, I got a choice. I can can let these guys get caught, which would probably be the wise thing to do. And, And maybe if I let them get caught, maybe the Israelites won't attack And maybe even if I turn them in, maybe I'll get some money out of this thing, man. Maybe I'll get rewarded. Or I can take a huge risk, hide these dudes in my house, pray that God blesses this thing, and just see what happens. The amount of faith required to make that choice is insane. But because Rahab stepped out in that, Because Rahab said yes to God's crazy plan. God bless. So what's the big thing for you? What's the big thing God is asking you to do? What's the the crazy moment that God says, hey, step out in? And it may look completely counterintuitive to you. It may be one of those things that you look at and you go, man, I just, uh, you know, I'd be better off maybe just doing this over here. I might get rewarded a little bit more. I might make more money over here. My family might be protected a little bit more over here. But man, what if you answer that call? What if you did things differently? What if you lived in faith? Let's keep going. Verse 32. The writer of Hebrews gets tired of writing. 
You know how I can tell? Because this is exactly the line I would have written if I was tired of writing. I'm running out of time here, boys, so let me just shorten this list up for you. Let me just make some bullet points so you can get the rest of this thing because I think you've heard enough. All right, and so he starts writing. He literally says this, verse 32 of chapter 11. He says, and what more shall I say? Let's make it quick. For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and all the prophets. Holy smokes, y'all. He just listed off like six dudes that if you go research their stories, you're going to be like, what? What, God? (laughs) Just go look at the story of Gideon alone, all right? That's the one I'm going to tell you to highlight. And in your quiet time this week with God, go research the story of Gideon. It is insane what God does through Gideon. All right, so Gideon, David, all these guys, Samuel and the prophets, verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. I'm running out of breath talking about the amazing things that God did through them. And my question for us this morning is how would we want the writer of Hebrews to describe our lives? Oh, he was a humble husband who grew up and loved his wife well and raised his kids and provided their college funds for them, and they were great. He died at a ripe old age of 85, 90, and man, just lived a good life. He was a good man, served in his church, taught a Sunday school class. What a wonderful man. They conquered kingdoms, they enforced justice. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword, and they were made strong out of weakness, becoming mighty in war, putting foreign armies to flight. That's not a Sunday school teacher, bro. Now, there's nothing wrong with teaching Sunday school. Thanks, Hannah. There's nothing wrong with leading our children on Wednesday nights. That's something that we should do. We got to love our youth and kids well, right? There's nothing wrong with being a good husband who provides a stable home for his family. That's great. There's nothing wrong with being somebody who's financially savvy and sets up retirement and loves his kids by creating a college fund. Those are all great things that we should steward well and live through wisdom. But when God calls us to do something big, we don't hold any of that stuff as idols in our lives, we cast it aside and we say, God, what's the big thing you want for me? And how do I go accomplish it? And we step out in faith and we throw the rest of it to abandon. We just say, God, I'm walking in faith and I'm trusting you. And we watch God do miracle after miracle after miracle in our lives. And you get a choice this morning as you sit and listen to the writer of Hebrews, as you listen to the stories that God gives us of encouragement of how God has proven time and time and time again that that's the kind of God he is. You get a choice this morning to sit in here and go, do I want to be the reserved, quiet life man or woman who just does my deal and lives my life and comes to church and worships and, and, and I have my quiet time with Jesus every morning? And that's, again, nothing wrong with any of those things. Or do I want to be the person of bold faith who steps out and says, God, what's the big thing? Because I want to see the mouths of the lions get shut. I want to see kingdoms get conquered. I want to see you step out in big ways, God. I want to see what you accomplish in my life. And I'm not going to hold anything back from you, God. 
These stories, man, just go back and look through the ones we've talked about. Abraham literally gave up everything. Rahab risked her entire livelihood. Noah literally was considered insane by the people around him because of what he did. And these are the people that the writer of Hebrews directs us to and says, hey, if you're going to be a person who doesn't flinch in your faith, going back to Hebrews chapter 10, if you're going to be a person who doesn't shy away, here's what that looks like. Here's the examples that God, God gives us to go off of. What kind of man or woman are you going to be? Make your choice. There have been several times in my life that I know that God has called me to do some pretty crazy things. When I was in college, I took a semester off to move to Poland where I knew absolutely no one. And I spent six months doing ministry with a bunch of missionaries that I'd only met one time before and, and spent like a week with them. And then I went and lived with them for six months and did it. Like it was crazy. There, there were moments in life where it was like, okay, uh, Lindsay, we're, we're living in Traveler's Rest, a place that we love. And, and, and we're doing ministry at a church that's growing and successful at uh, a church where just people are just coming every week. And, oh, no, it's, it's time to move to Virginia and go run a Chick-fil-A for five years. There are, there are things in my life that I can point at and I can go, man, God, I wouldn't have done that it, it, man, except that you asked me to. And, and it's those moments that I can look back most on my life and go, God, when I answered the call in faith, I watched you do miracle after miracle after miracle. And I wouldn't trade any of those experiences for the world. Because I have a heavenly mindset that's going, man, I don't know what seeds were planted and I don't know what God really did through me. But I know that one day I'm going to be on the other side of things. And I'm going to be looking down and I'm going to see all of the wonderful things that God has done. And he got to do more of it because I answered the call to faith. Verse 35, he keeps going with his bullet point. We only stopped about halfway through it. He just keeps on going. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing uh, to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the deserts and mountains and in the dens and the caves of the earth. I've got to be real careful about how I communicate this faith because it's real easy to take the first half of that list and go, let's go conquer kingdoms! And then you get the second, of the second half of the list. Let's go get sawn in two. What? No. <laughs> no, God. Kingdoms. <laughs> Kingdoms, please, God. <laughs> Here's the thing, man. When we answer this call of faith, we don't know what story God is working out for us. And it may be a kingdom-conquering faith. It may be destitution and sawn in two. And if we don't have a kingdom mindset on the idea of faith, it gets real easy to back down from that. But these people, man, they chose it. They knew what was coming and they did it anyway. And I love how verse 38 describes them. Of whom the world was not worthy. Man, God looked at these people and he said... Because of your faith, man, you stand out. You're different. And this world, it's not worthy of you.
there's a better place for you. There's a greater kingdom that you're a part of. And then all of a sudden, that theme from the beginning of Hebrews comes back out. Jesus, greater than the angels. Jesus, greater than Moses. Jesus, greater than the great high priest. Jesus, a greater covenant. And then watch this, verse 39. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something greater, something better for us. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What's the writer of Hebrews talking about? He's talking about the life of Jesus. He says, man, these people didn't get to see it. Rahab never saw Jesus. Abraham never saw Jesus. Moses never saw Jesus. Noah never saw Jesus. And yet they walked in faith in all of these things and God did incredible things through them and they never got to see the ultimate fulfillment of what God had given them. And so all of a sudden, the writer of Hebrews goes, man, how much greater it is that you and I are here right now because we get to see Jesus. We get to see the fulfillment of the promise. Rahab stepped out in faith just hoping that God was really gonna keep his word and that one day a Messiah would come. Abraham stepped out in faith praying that God would really give him a family and really multiply it and make it as great as the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky, but he was really stepping out not knowing the outcome. We get the benefit of being on this side of it and being able to look back and go, God did it. And that means that we have all the more reason to be a people who live by faith because we watched God do it. We have no excuse. We have no reason not to believe that if God speaks something to us that we shouldn't do it in faith. We have no excuse. And so whatever it is that God has laid on your heart going all the way back to the beginning of our message this morning, what's the big thing? What's the thing, the scary thing, the big moment that God you know has laid on your heart and said, I want you to do this? What's that peace? Because man, whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, you have no excuse this morning but to follow it. You have no excuse to continue sitting in a chair somewhere, just coming to a comfortable worship service that you enjoy and then going home and doing nothing about it during the week. You have no excuse anymore because we've seen Jesus keep his promise. And now he says, go do something big. Change the world for me. Tell people about me. Love people around you. Step out in faith. And man, look at all of these examples on the days when you need encouragement. Of how God just continuously worked. So that one day will be described as a people that the world is not worthy of. If I have one prayer for you this morning, it is that that is who you'll be described as. That we would be a church filled with people who the world isn't worthy of. That we would be parents who love our kids way differently than the world that we would be husbands and wives who encourage each other and strengthen each other and step out in bold faith and live life differently than the rest of the world. That we would be individuals who answer calls in our lives and step out in faith to do big, bold things. Joel Bell, this summer, man, you did some big, bold things, bud. 
Joe Bell stepped out of faith this summer, man, took, took a role going to New Orleans and spent the entire summer doing ministry in a city where he only knows just a few people. Step out in faith, st- stepped out in faith financially, not knowing how he's going to make ends meet or where his next meal is going to come from. Stepped out in big, bold faith. What's the big thing, man? What's the big thing that God is calling you to do and will you answer the call? As I was studying this week, I listened to several sermons. Last night, I was still just cycling through people. And one of my favorite pastors uh, has always been Francis Chan. And you hear me quote him a lot, but I was listening to his sermon. He actually wasn't preaching on Hebrews 11. He was preaching on a completely different passage. But he defined faith a certain way, and I want you to hear his definition of faith as we get ready to close this morning. He said this. He said, faith is when you do something that makes no sense unless there is life after death. What's the thing you're going to do this week that makes no sense unless there's a heavenly kingdom that we're investing into? Will you answer that call? Let me pray for you guys this morning. Our Duncan's going to come back and lead us in some worship. We're going to sing together. I'm going to hang out over in this corner this morning. If you need to pray or talk with me about anything, that's where I'll be. But as we worship and as we get ready to just invest in this time of singing, don't let the words on the screen or the the music be uh, the thing that distracts you. I, I want you to be praying and seeking God and asking him, God, what is it? What's the thing? Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for the stories of Abraham and Noah, of Sarah, Moses, Rahab, the people of Israel, Moses' parents. We are so grateful for the assortment of stories, God, that that you've collected for us and and put in writing, God, that we we can hold in our hands and we can go to in the days where we need encouragement and strength, God, the days where we need to be challenged to quit living comfortable lives. We are grateful for those stories of faith because, God, they remind us that you have called us to that same life a life of boldness, a life of courage, a life of stepping out in faith, a life that says no matter the risk, my God has called, I will respond. A life that says wherever he leads me, I'll go. A life that says I will be different than this world's expectations. Because I know there's a heavenly kingdom that I'm investing into. A place where my treasure is stored safe from rot and death that one day, Father, we will live into. And God, we live by that faith. We treasure that faith, God. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And that is because of him that all of this was made perfect. 
because of his blood on a cross, Father, that we can, we can look back 2,000 years and be reminded that you have led us to a better place. And we have no excuse but to live boldly. God, would you give us the strength we need this morning? Would you give us wisdom and discernment to know when it's your voice and when it's just something else? God, would you give us the ability to hear you, God, in in the cloud of noises of this world? And that when we hear your voice, God, we would respond in this moment. And God, whatever you're calling us to, God, I just pray that we would respond in faith. And so, God, whatever that looks like this morning, it might look weird to to some people, God, but maybe this morning you're just calling somebody, God, even just the simple act of stepping out of a pew and coming down and maybe just kneeling up here up front and just praying. God, or maybe you're calling somebody to step across the room because they know that somebody else in the room is going through something and they need to be prayed for. Maybe that's just a simple act of faith that you're asking us to step out into. But, God, it might mean the world to somebody else. And God, it might be just through that simple act of boldness and stepping out that maybe, God, we, we start a domino effect. That if we'll step out in faith for that small thing, maybe, God, the next bigger thing, God, we'll, we'll be able to do with confidence. And then the next thing and the next thing until before we know it, God, we are living a life of full surrender and faith. God, whatever your will and your way is for us this morning, we submit to it. We'll love you and we'll praise you for all that you do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. To learn more about the church at West Gant, visit our website at thechurchatwg.com or visit us on Facebook.